Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of December 17th, 2020, including the Game Awards took place last week, where we learned all about tons of new stuff, most notably the initiative's first game. Xbox teams up with PlayStation and Nintendo to make gaming safer. Have you ever heard of Shonies? And more. For those of you who rely on the YouTube version of the show each and every week, I do now include timestamps. I meant to mention that at the top of the show last week, but whatever. Now, now you know there's timestamps. So if you like to skip the shenanigans, the food talk, the lethal migraine, always negative yet always welcome comments, whatever it may be, you can you can go to the timestamp section of the description on the YouTube video and you can just skip to the part of the show you're looking to get to. And of course, if you're listening on Spotify, iTunes, wherever else you get your podcasts, fuck you. This is a perk for YouTube. You should be subscribing to my YouTube channel so I can make you watch Dollar Shave Club ads and uh, make a lot of money off you. So yeah, welcome. Before we get into this week's show, I gotta make the obvious, point out the obvious here, which is that, you know, it's a big it's a big release week. Last week we got Cyberpunk, but if you're deep into the ecosystem of Xbox, I think it's pretty notable to mention that Gears 5 got a big expansion this week, and most notably, uh, story content. So there's like a new little side campaign uh, called Gears 5 Hive Busters. It's out now. It's through Game Pass, of course, so you don't got to pay for it because we Xbox gamers, we know that buying games is for chumps. We just subscribe to a service and get it all. Um, so go ahead and, and play that DLC. Um, I'm looking forward to getting into that over the weekend. Seems like it's like a little three-hour side campaign focusing on Scorpio Squad, which is a new set of characters we've never heard of. we got Lonnie, Mac, and Keegan. I'm excited to learn a little bit about these guys and play their story, what have you. Uh, but yeah, Hive Busters, it's now out. Gears 5, what a great game. I'm excited to jump back into that and have some new story content to uh, delve into, as they say. But that's the first thing I want to get out of the way, or I guess the second thing I mentioned, the timestamps. But with both those things out of the way, I think uh, we should mention that last week, I told you, you know, the show gets recorded on Wednesday nights, goes live on Thursdays. I told you, obviously, last Thursday was the Game Awards. I wasn't going to move the show to accommodate the Game Awards, and I told you I'll likely have some big news, and it'll make me look stupid by not delaying the show to accommodate the Game Awards announcements, and that's exactly what happened. So the Game Awards happened, and if you're if you're even remotely tuned into the gaming world, you probably know a shit ton of stuff happened. We saw Perfect Dark from the Initiative, Master Chief in Fortnite, all these kinds of things. So we'll get into all that at the beginning of the news segment, but I just wanted to acknowledge, yes, I know, now, it's, uh, now I've shot myself in the foot by putting a podcast out the morning of the Game Awards that didn't address any of these things, and then having to wait a full week before we could talk about them on the show, but... You know, that's part of the charm of Xbox on is, you know, we're not we're not all about being first to the news. We're just about getting there. You know, it's not it doesn't matter when you get there, how you get there. It just matters that you get there. So you may this this show might be out so late that you've already played through uh, the initiatives. Perfect Dark and that 
You've already fuck Halo Infinite might be out. You might have already played through Halo Infinite. Who who gives a shit? The point is, we're at least covering the Xbox news for the week of December 17, 2020, and at least we're getting there. So that will be discussed. I'm sorry if uh, if you felt like I kind of blue balled you or, or or left you out to dry by doing that last week, but eh, it's a free show. What do you expect? There's always going to be, you know, you get what you pay for. Anyway, let's jump into this week's episode by getting into the comments and shout outs and whatnot from, from YouTube. You can go over to youtube.com, look up second best gaming. That's my channel where you'll, where you will find the Xbox on podcast playlist. Uh, you can click on the latest episode and leave a comment below and we will read it on the show likely. Unless your comment says something really heinous, then I might not read it. So if your comment says something like Mountain Dew is not good or I think Xbox is dumb. I might not read your comment. So our first comment this week, I wanted to read a comment from our, our resident OG man man who comments on something that I can really relate to right now. So I really wanted to kick off the show with this comment. He says, Jesse, help me. It's 2 a.m. on a Sunday morning. I just bought Assassin's Creed Ezio collection on top of me replaying the Mass Effect games and the Bioshock collection in recent months. Add that to my usual playthroughs of the Halo campaigns through the Master Chief Collection, and I feel like I'm in high school again, and I'm really enjoying the nostalgia. My question for you is, is this a midlife crisis? I'm only 25, but it is all. But is it all downhill for me here? Am I destined to continue only to play games from the 360 era and never progress? What do I do? I'm still working on getting a series console, but with the recent news of uh, Infinite being delayed till next fall, I'm really... I really am a lot more content with just waiting until next holiday to see a price drop bundle or just some system updates between now and then. Happy holidays and keep up the good work. Well, thanks for writing in, OG man. Let's uh, let's address the latter half because I think that's a quicker one to address. Now, I think as for waiting for the series console, if you are if you are first of all if you're if you're finding yourself enjoying plenty of content right now, that's old. Uh, that's older content, 360 Xbox One era games, and you have a One or a One X or One S or whatever you have, and you're and you're happy with it. I think there is absolute. It's absolutely nothing but a great idea to wait on the Series X. There's of course always that you know fervor for the the new and the flashy thing, and of course I sound somewhat hypocritical, being that I bitched and moaned on this podcast when I didn't think I was going to get my Series X pre order, and then you know I had to have one day one, and I got one day one. So there's a little bit of a of a hypocrisy going on here uh, by me saying this, but I, I really am a firm believer that, you know, there's no reason and just, there's no reason to not just wait for something for when you're ready for it. You know, confession, I didn't get an Xbox one. Xbox one is like my favorite console generation I can think of. I just have so much emotional attachment to it. And I didn't even buy the Xbox one the day it came out. I actually got my Xbox one like February, 2014. So I got it like, technically like three, four months after it came out, I waited till that Titanfall bundle hit shelves. And that was just because honestly, 2013, 2013, the year the Xbox one came out was kind of a weird year for me where I was really kind of out of love with gaming at the time. And so I was really not even remotely excited for the Xbox one leading up to the launch and not for the reasons everyone else was. And it had nothing to do with the botched marketing. It had to do with me just not giving a shit about gaming at the time. So I only say, I mentioned that to say, you know, sometimes the you know the offering what 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 Xbox has to to put out there or where you are in your life or you know just the kind of stuff you're in the mood for might not align with the marketing hype and the console launch cycle and that's totally okay so I I think it makes total sense if you're thinking hey you know the Xbox 
Series X really doesn't make all the sense in the world to buy until you know Halo hits hits the console. So why not just wait till next holiday when you know I might be able to get one with less hassle. I might be able to buy one slightly used with, for a little bit less money. I might be able to get a bundle. You know, there might be a a bundle version where maybe the price is still the same, but fuck, you get like a uh, a Game Pass three month subscription and extra game. Xbox does tons and tons of bundles, so that's really likely that they'll have holiday bundles next year, you know? So I think all of that is a great idea and uh, I support it hundred percent. Like if you're, I don't know. I, I don't think there's anything weird about that. I think that's just, I don't know. That's smart. It's like you're, you're making, you're deciding to spend your money into, and to make these decisions for yourself based on when you're ready to do it. Not when the community or the hype or the marketing tells you it's time. So I think that's showing that kind of restraint is, is it just shows that you are, I don't know, being level-headed and, and smart about these things and making purchasing decisions when they make sense for you. And I totally respect that. So yeah, uh, I don't see any problem there. Now, as for you saying, are you having a midlife? Let's get back to this whole thing about you playing right now, kind of going through your library of Xbox 360 games. You say, I'm only 25. Is it all downhill from here? Am I having a midlife crisis? Well, the reason I wanted to start with your comment, OG man, is because I'm also 25 and I'm also going through a very similar phase as you right now. And I'm also wondering the same thing. Is this is this a midlife crisis? Is this a 33% life crisis? Like, what is uh, what is happening? Am I in my one-third to half or my one-third life to midlife crisis here? Like, what is, what is going on? Because, I mean, I'm in a similar boat. I've been, you know, you guys know I've been playing... Uh, Black Ops Cold War, it's kind of been my launch three, my launch Xbox Series X game, and really what it's done, you know, the combination of playing that game plus really falling in love with this YouTuber as of lately, his name is The Act Man, he covers a lot of Halo and Call of Duty and stuff like that, really the combination of watching all of his content lately, just binge watching his videos, plus playing a lot of co- uh, COD Black Ops Cold War has really gotten me in this kind of just, it's 2000 nine to 2011 in my in my brain kind of mode and i've just been playing like endless amounts of call of duty black ops cold war to where like i i'm starting to really like the game more and more than i even thought i did i thought it was a pretty decent call of duty game especially for recent history but like now i'm pretty like pretty high on the game i think call of duty black ops cold war is a pretty great game and it's gotten me to go back and now i'm like replaying a lot of black ops 2 like i've been playing a lot of call of duty black ops 2 this past week and it's just been a weird thing for me. So I totally get where you're going and coming from. And, and when I've been playing Halo lately, I've only been playing like Halo four and three, which is like just weird. Cause usually Halo five is my go-to. So I've been on a similar kick where I'm just, I'm just kind of like stuck in, in that. My favorite span of years really is, well, the sweet spots really is like, really is like the 2007 to 2009 era. Uh, but in general, I think my sweet spot for like nostalgia right now uh, is definitely like, just vaguely like 2007 to maybe 2012. And I'm really feeling that too. Like I'm really just going back and playing some 360 games. And like, I don't give a shit that my Xbox series X can do 4k 60 and that I could play cyberpunk right now. I'm like, I'm just totally content with just playing some black ops two right now. Um, and, and that's another game that, you know, when it came out, I thought, I thought black ops two was the beginning of the decline for call of duty, but I might, I might have to retract that statement because the more I play black ops, two this past week the more i'm thinking maybe maybe modern warfare 3 or or call of duty ghosts is kind of like the first rougher call of duty because black ops 2 is actually a lot better than i remember i still stand by it the zombies on black ops 2 are absolute ass 
but the multiplayer campaign on Black Ops 2 is pretty solid. But anyway, I just I only wanted to you know bring this up just because I can really relate to what you're saying here right now. And uh, I don't know. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's kind of good to have these moments because I think one thing all gamers can relate to is that we all have these massive, you know, we always talk about the backlog, like the games we want to get around to, but we never get around to. And I think another thing that a, a different side of that that doesn't get addressed nearly as enough or nearly enough are the games you always tell yourself, like, I'm going to come back to this game or like, I would like this to be a game that's in some way a part of my life for the rest of my life but you just can't get back to. And I think that's especially true for like multiplayer games where it's like, how do you make time for like Call of Duty Black Ops 2, you know, 10 years from when it came out? Because like the servers are down and the multiplayer base is just non-existing. And it's like, it's kind of a game that's like a time and place sort of thing. But even in general, I think this extends to what you're talking about with Assassin's Creed, the older Assassin's Creed games and Bioshock games, especially the older Assassin's Creed games, because Assassin's Creed, despite being a single player experience, isn't is a somewhat annualized or biannualized franchise. So it's kind of a similar thing where it's like, why would you go back and play like the original Assassin's Creed Assassin's Creed games when you could just go play Assassin's Creed Valhalla? It's like, well, I'll tell you why. It's because Assassin's Creed Valhalla is in is like painfully indicative of like gaming in 2020 the same way that like Assassin's Creed 2 was representative of gaming in like what 2008 was when that game came out so i totally get where you're where your head and where kind of where your this uh this urge is coming from where it's just like sometimes it's nice to go back to these games that you played and you enjoyed at one point in time but now, you know, you're older, you're further removed. There's so many new games always coming out begging for your attention that there's this part of you that's just kind of like, when am I ever going to get around to replaying the Bioshock games, replaying the Assassin's Creed, the original Assassin's Creed games or the old Halo campaigns? And it's really nice when you find yourself in a mood like this, because so rarely, or at least for myself, and I assume for you and many others, it's like, you know, how often do you find yourself in the mood to just play all these games you haven't played for like eight years, you know? And so I it's I think it's kind of nice to indulge and really lean into that mood when it strikes, because it is such a rare and fleeting way to feel. So I, I say take, you know, make the most of this moment and just really enjoy it because eventually you'll probably just snap out of it and feel like playing whatever's new. You might, you might wake up tomorrow and be like, yeah, I'm done with uh, these old 360 games. I want to play cyberpunk, you know, and that's fine too. But like, you know, this is a, this is a nice moment and it's fleeting. So I think you should take advantage of it and really enjoy it to the fullest of its potential. But uh, I, I'm I'm indulging in this question a little bit too much because not only can I relate due to what I'm going through right now, but I'm just a, as you may know from listening to the show, I'm just a very nostalgic person. So I really like to overindulge in these more nostalgia-based questions, especially if it's like nostalgia I can relate to and not just like the obnoxious like Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars 80s nostalgia. Um, so yeah, thanks for writing in with that. And then our next comment comes from... Uh, Adam Adam Ziso, who says, hey, Halo 5 is amazing, and I tried it because of you, man. Thank you a lot, and and as thanks, try Mortal Shell. Well, thanks for writing in, and uh, yes, of course, Halo 5 is amazing. I'm actually really, I'm really uh, flattered that you would try a game based on my recommendation, but I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I'm glad we could convert another fellow gamer onto the bandwagon of Halo 5 is a good game, stop shitting on it. Uh, as for Mortal Shell, politely, I'm probably just not going to get around to that because uh, not that I really know anything about it, but just judging by the screenshots, I, I don't know really anything about Mortal Shell, to be honest. You, you're kind of 
introducing me to this game, but I've looked it up. It looks a little bit like a, a Souls type game. It's really not my thing. Anytime I see like swords or orcs or knight armor or anything like kind of medieval or fantastical or even if it is, you know, I don't know. Just anything like this, it just kind of turns me off. I'm a very generic person. I like I like shooters. I like sci-fi. I like cartoony games. I don't know. I like games for like five-year-olds and 14-year-old boys with pimples on their faces. So Mortal Shell, throwing it out there, something some of you may want to check out. But nonetheless, I appreciate you giving a shout-out to a game that doesn't seem to have um, much much chatter going around it, or or to my knowledge, that's the case. Um, Patrick Patrick writes in with our next comment says, "Thanks for picking up my comment in the, in this episode. I'm glad you want to spare yourself uh, the heart attack mess, and you're I believe referring to the heart attack restaurant in Arizona, the burger place. You say considering Halo Five, I acknowledge my disappointment comes mostly um, from boss fights. Now you were the guy who wrote in talking about." You know how you played Halo 5, you weren't that into it, you thought it was a little redundant with enemy variety, and then I kind of laid into you because I want your opinion to be my opinion. And you, so you consider, you say, you continue on, you say, considering Halo 5, I acknowledge my disappointment comes mostly from boss fights. Uh, the remaining, the remainder was some fun for sure. Uh, we'll take your advice and jump into Halo 4 then, especially with Infinite being so far away now. Um, I am having a blast with a monster sanctuary. Thus, I feel to break a, a lance here as you didn't really advertise the game in the episode the way it deserved. A Pokemon Metroid, a Pokemon and Metroidvania crossover with quite some gameplay mechanics. People who have just, uh, people who have just some love for both of, um, should really try it out. So, another two pronged kind of question. First, to your to the game you recommend, Monster Sanctuary. You raise a good point. Yes, whenever I read the game releases of the week, I basically don't do any of those games justice. So I do appreciate you calling to light this game because uh, I, I assume you had some experience with it and you're saying, hey, don't just write it off. It's a it's a, it's an interesting game. So yes, to those of you who are interested in Metroidvanias or Pokemon elements in your Metroidvanias, I don't even know how you pull that off. It sounds interesting enough. Check out Monster Sanctuary. I don't mean to totally shit on the game. It's just kind of, how that segment goes where I just trash the hard work of others because I am an, a, a, an uncreative and incapable fool who must make his entertainment off of uh, ripping on the hard work and the artistic creations of others. And then for your first part of your comment, your your Halo 5 part here, I gotta say, I, I feel a little bit bad about what I said last week. I feel like I was being a little bit too like, your opinion should be my opinion. So let me, let me clarify. If you're just not feeling Halo 5, or Halo 4 or whatever. That's totally cool. I don't mean to I don't mean to accuse you of adopting the the mainstream opinions of of others when it comes to Halo's 4 and 5. I I just feel like a lot of people in general, not you necessarily, tend to adopt the internet mentality towards these games rather than giving them a fair shake and and trying them for themselves. But if you really do want to try Halo 4 for yourself and try and try to um experience it and judge the game on its own merits i encourage you to do so and, and i hope you enjoy it if you do decide to do that just let us know what you think about it i'd be interested to see if you like halo 4 halo 4 and 5 i feel like people lump them in this category of like 343 three sucks but as someone who loves every halo game i gotta be honest i think halos 4 and 5 are really different from one another despite being 343 three halo games so i would be interested to see how you feel about halo 4 personally i think halo 5 is better i think it has better gunplay, better enemy variety, better level design. Um, but I think Halo 4 has a better story and yeah, definitely better story, better pacing in general. So 
they're, they're different. Halo 5 beats Halo 4 in gameplay. Halo 4 beats Halo 5 in story. I think they're both great games, but if you do decide to play, please let us know what you think. Now, Sarugi, our beloved Sarugi, comes in next and says, Halo being a year away gives Microsoft a chance to get more series consoles into players' hands. A total win for all concerned. Now, this is definitely a good point, a very true point, but to play devil's advocate, it also gives... Sony a full year on the market to say buy PlayStation 5 because we have exclusive games and Microsoft still can't put out Halo even you know within the first year of a console's life cycle so fuck them go with us we got Ratchet and Clank and and some Souls remake and some Spider-Man 1.5 game uh so come come over here where the water's already warm cuz we peed in it so you make a good point but also meh i mean it, it would have been would have been best case scenario if they could have had Halo at launch, but you are right. It will be nicer at least to the at least to the Xbox hardcore community uh, for Halo to come out in you know in a time and place where we're less focused on COVID, hopefully, and consoles are easier to find and just everything. It's not an election cycle. I don't know something about like November 2021 sounds like a just a lot better than November 2020. Just being removed from all the shit that happened this fall i think it makes a, a much better story for halo infinite <laughs> but um yeah hey there's there's a lot of opportunity to sell many playstation 5s off the back of halo not coming out for the first 12 months of the series x and s uh grant mundy comes back in and says hey hope you're well and enjoying the lovely console which is of course the series x as we all as we know, food is your favorite topic to talk about. So what is your favorite holiday food? Also, is there any holiday-themed games you like to play this time of year? Stay safe and keep well. Well, thank you for writing in, Grant, and to you as well. Stay safe and keep well. Now, this is a, this is a good question. You always write such great questions. As far as holiday food goes, it, it's weird because uh, you say holiday. I, I assume you're referring to like the, the, the all-encompassing, equal-to-all vague description of like December holidays. You're not talking about Thanksgiving. So let's just assume you're talking about, you know, Christmas, Hanukkah and the like. This is a good one because when you think about holiday food, obviously there's like a, there's like that mental image of like the, the Christmas ham or like if you're, I know like a lot of Italian families do like the, the Christmas fish dinner and things like that. But I don't know. There's like, you know, if you've ever seen the famous Christmas story movie. There's the whole like Chinese takeout on Christmas. So there's a lot of like different variations of like the holiday meal. Um, but as for my family, you know, the Christmas meal, we were a family who celebrates Christmas. The Christmas dinner was always my mom would make like a big, well, it'd be like Christmas morning. She would do like a big breakfast. It'd be like cinnamon rolls and eggs and bacon and all that kind of stuff. I don't know why cinnamon rolls was such a big part of it, but it was for some reason. And then the big thing was like Christmas dinner. We'd always do like a big, uh, like Italian thing. Uh, and my mom would always make her sauce, which my mom, I, I love my mom's uh, pasta sauce, her tomato sauce. So she'd always make like a big meal, like like her homemade meatballs and, and sauce. And we do like pasta and everything. And that was kind of like Christmas dinner for us. Um, but even so, I don't really associate that as like holiday food because still that's a thing we'd kind of eat throughout the year. So I don't really have like a go-to, I, I don't know. I feel like if you're thinking of like marketing material, you might see like the imagery of like uh, Christmas ham and some Thanksgiving esque side dishes, but I can't really think of like a specific food item. I'm just like, Oh yeah, that's the thing I eat because Christmas time, you know, other than like maybe chocolate. I feel like 
Christmas is a time of year where you get a lot of chocolate other than Halloween. So I don't know, maybe something like that, just because like a lot of the chocolate brands will do like holiday packaging. I don't know. One thing that does feel, you know, food related uh, that does feel kind of holiday like to me is that usually Mountain Dew will do a holiday drink. Right now, the past few years, they've been doing Merry Mashup which is like their cranberry Mountain Dew, which I'm not really crazy on. I haven't I haven't bought any this year. I've seen it in stores and I haven't bought any just because honestly, I don't really like it all that much. And I, I, you know, I already have a can of it in my collection. I've already had it a few times. So I haven't really bought any of that. But you know what? Sierra Mist used to do like a, a cranberry Sierra Mist. Maybe it was a cherry Sierra Mist. No, I think it was cranberry for the holidays. And that was actually a really good drink. I haven't had that. I don't think they make it anymore, but that was a really good holiday drink they used to do. I know Sprite does a cranberry drink. But yeah, for some reason, I think it's like the sodas, the holiday sodas that, that come to mind. But no, nothing in particular holiday food. Uh, you know, I've only been here in Florida. This will only be my second Christmas living here in Florida with my girlfriend. And we've kind of started a holiday tradition of, you know, we don't really do like presents in, in, in a tree and all that stuff anymore just because... I don't know. We're not when you're not a kid anymore. It's like the whole joy of gift giving and, and receiving, you know, isn't as fun anymore because it's like you can just use your disposable income to buy the new video game or whatever it is you want. So we don't really do that. But one thing we did last year, which we're planning on doing this year, is on Christmas Day making reservations for literally just you just go on the the Disney World app and just look at the restaurants and just find literally any restaurant on Walt Disney World property that has available dining and just make a reservation and go to dinner somewhere on Disney property. Last year, we went to this really amazing place at Disney's old Key West resort uh, called Olivia's, which has like this really like homey, like kind of Key West, I don't know, like Florida food. And, and I had a really amazing chicken. And then this year we have reservations for uh, this Italian restaurant at Disney's Boardwalk Resort. So I'm really looking forward to that. I think that's kind of, I guess, become the holiday food it's not a specific dish or meal but rather this uh this kind of tradition that my girlfriend and I have have started to do which is where on Christmas day we find a Disney restaurant somewhere on Walt Disney World property and we go to dinner at one of those restaurants so I guess that's kind of our our holiday food tradition so I would like to continue to do that for the foreseeable future as I am always looking for an excuse to eat Disney food but yeah, thanks for writing in with it. That's a that's a fun question to do. Oh, I think you also mentioned something about video games in there too. You say, also, are there any holiday-themed video games? Yes, there's one. It's not even remotely holiday-themed, but it's uh, Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. That game came out in like September, November of 2005. And for some reason, I played it. I played it like, I was in like, like fourth, fifth grade when that game came out. And I played it over Christmas break. And it just like stuck with me as like the Christmas game. Like I just remember like getting out of school that last day before Christmas break and playing Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. And now ever since that 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 year, that's that game's just stuck with me. It's like the game I play around Christmas. So I actually haven't done it in like two or three years, but it used to be a tradition to for me from like from like fifth grade to like college, basically. I would just play Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. I would rebeat it once every December. That was my holiday game. Nothing even remotely Christmassy about the game, other than the fact that it came out around Christmas time. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, for some reason that's my Christmas game. So yes, that is my holiday game. Let me know 
about your holiday meal or food traditions or game traditions. That's a fun topic to talk about. I'd like to hear from anyone who has anything to share on that. Uh, Mr. Badass Lord Tipsy says, a homestyle burger is my favorite burger from McDonald's. They need to add a double homestyle to the menu already. This is a crime not to have one. And I already talked to you directly a little bit about this, but to bring it, but to bring attention on the show to it, I got to be honest with you. I don't know what the fuck a homestyle burger is from McDonald's. I even tried to look it up when I when I searched it on Bing, the homestyle burger. It took me to the McDonald's website and it just showed me like the menu of like their premium burgers, like the Big Mac and the Quarter Pounder and all of that. So I don't know. What the fuck the homestyle burger is. Now, I do remember maybe like two or three years ago, McDonald's did try to do this thing where they had like this craft burger menu where you could get like, they had like a couple different burgers where they put like different types of cheese on them and they put bacon on them and try to make them like a little more like decked out and elegant. And I don't know if maybe that's what you're talking about, but here's the thing. I know for I know McDonald's and a lot of fast food restaurants will do somewhat like different menus depending on the region. So at least here in the southeast, at least here in Florida, when I go to McDonald's, I don't see a homestyle burger. But maybe wherever it is you're from or wherever you currently live, maybe they have that on the menu. If that's the case, please let me know where you live because I'm gonna have to book a flight and come out to your neck of the woods to try a homestyle burger from McDonald's because you know, part of my bucket list is is to try every McDonald's and Taco Bell food item uh, before before I kick the bucket. So that is something I'll have to you know make amends for. Joe Murphy comes in next po- next comment says, "Listening to the soda talk, have you ever been in a blind taste test uh, on dark soda? You had to write down uh, what flavor it was. It's been I've been in one. It was." Um, I was the only one out of 10 people that knew which was Pepsi and which was Coke. Plain Pop-Tarts suck, by the way. They have frosting on them for a reason. Amen, Joe. Yes, I know what you're talking about with the blind taste test. I remember this was actually a big marketing campaign for, I believe, Pepsi in the 80s, where it was like we did the blind taste test and, you know, more people would actually choose Pepsi over Coke. And that was like, I think the study was that, like, more people choose Pepsi over Coke based off the first sip, that initial sip. And then I think eventually what, what people found out or what studies showed was that over like the the duration of like an entire beverage, an entire drink, more people tend to prefer the Coke just because it's not as sweet. So it's less sugar over a prolonged period. I, I don't give a shit. The answer is Pepsi either way. Um, but no, I've never been in one of these taste tests. But I, it's funny you mention this because I've thought about this many times before. I've, I'm very familiar with the concept of the blind taste test, especially with colas and it, it always blows my mind to think that, like, someone could be in one of these taste tests and not know which is which. Like, I guess some people care enough about their bodies that they don't drink so much Coke and Pepsi that they can tell one apart from the other. But, like, to me, it seems unfathomable that someone would be like, okay, blindfold on. Here's two, you know, two paper cups. One has Coke. One has Pepsi. You tell me which is which, you know. I cannot imagine a world where, like, I don't instantly know which is which. Like, Coke tastes so distinctly like Coke and Pepsi tastes so distinctly like Pepsi. And I've had so many other knockoff and different brands of cola that I know this is true. Like Coke tastes like Coke. Pepsi tastes like Pepsi. Everything else tastes like like cola, but not Coke or Pepsi. So I don't really get how people don't how people aren't more familiar with the difference. But uh, Joe, I'm glad you passed the test and that you knew out of the 10 people, you know, there's a 10% success rate, a 10% pass rate. Only you, you were the one of 10 people that passed. And what that tells me is that, you know, if I'm in a room with you and those nine other people and then the zombie apocalypse happens, 
I'm teaming up with you. Let's just put it like that. Like those other nine fuckers, let's take them out and uh, make a run for it. You know what I mean? Now, Lethal Migraine comes in and says, I was offered McDonald's or says, if I was offered McDonald's or I could go hungry for the day, I'm going to go hungry. McDonald's is McDonald's at freeze too expensive to my insides. Puke emoji. You are right. Nothing else tastes like McDonald's burger. And we are lucky as shit that that is the case. McDonald's needs to go out of business. On the bright side, Arby's roast beef sandwiches sandwiches are five for $10. They have the meats. Lethal Migraine, I'm going to choose to ignore all that heinous shit you just said about McDonald's because fuck you, frankly. But as for Arby's, you do you do somewhat save the comment by mentioning Arby's, which is a fast food restaurant that I'm very fond of that I think doesn't get enough love and respect. I don't know why it's so popular to hate on Arby's because like they're actually really good. And it's like, it's not like Arby's isn't one of those fast food restaurants where like the food is like questionable how disgusting and greasy it is. It's like, it's pretty normal shit. It's like roast beef sandwiches. And actually, when I go to Arby's, I don't even get roast beef. I actually like Arby's ch- chicken. They have a bunch of different chicken sandwiches, and they're all pretty good. I, I tried their Thanksgiving sandwich a few weeks ago. That was really good. I, I'm a huge fan of Arby's. Curly fries, they used to be a Pepsi establishment, and when they were, they had Mountain Dew Game Fuel on tap. That's fucking amazing. You guys want to talk about Taco Bell having Baja Blast? Fuck that shit. Arby's had Mountain Dew Game Fuel on tap. You could, that means you didn't have to wait for the Halo 3, the Halo 4 Game Fuel. Fuck that. You could go down to your local Arby's. You could say, give me that that um, uh, chicken cordon bleu sandwich, curly fries, absolutely, and give me a large-ass Game Fuel, and then take that shit home, and you could play Halo in July, in March, in any month of the year that's not Mountain Dew Game Fuel season and drink a Mountain Dew Game Fuel. And that was the magic of Arby's. And, and Arby's is still good. I still like their food, but unfortunately, about a year or two ago, they did switch to Coke, which dings them quite a bit in my uh, my fast food ranking. But nonetheless, I am a fan of Arby's. Uh, Mr. McGee comes in and says, the best Pop-Tarts are the chocolate peanut butter ones, which are which are criminally aren't widely available. I've, I've never had one of those. Also, I had to apologize as I do like ketchup on my burgers, but not too much. Banned! I have tried the McRib for the first time, and I had the same reaction as you. And finally, Cherry Pepsi is the best. This is What a conflicting comment uh, here. You say Cherry Pepsi is the best. That's good. You agree with me on the McRib. That's good. I, I, I want to encourage a mob mentality. I would hate for my, my listeners to have opinions of their own, so that's good that we agree on that. But the ketchup on the burgers, that's just inexcusable right there, Mr. Mickey. Do yourself a favor and see yourself out the door. Count Scotula comes in and says, does anyone else hate those terrible soda vending machines that let you choose between like 200 varieties of uh, of the of five different pop brands and they all share the same spout? Never fails. Uh, that dude in front of me is loading up on Orange Fanta. Not that I have any beef with Orange Fanta, but no matter how much pop I waste to clear the line, you still get a strong hint of orange in your Coke. Literally the worst invention ever. At least Pepsi versions of these machines group similar spouts. This is a... Um, Count Scott, I'm so grateful that you brought this comment up uh, or that you, that you commented and you brought this up because I meant to mention this last week. Fuck, what you're referring to is called the Coke Freestyle Machine. And I have to simply say, fuck the Coke freestyle machine. And that's not even like as a Pepsi fan, fuck the Coke freestyle machine. That's me just saying like as a human being who is concerned about the well-being of others, like fuck the Coke freestyle machine. It absolutely sucks. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks. It is the absolute physical embodiment of, of quantity over quality because it's like I would like you think about a regular Coke fountain machine. You go to like a Burger King and it's like, okay, you got Coke. Diet Coke, Coke Zero, Sprite, Dr. Pepper, and fucking Bart's Root Beer. It's like, okay, 
It's not Pepsi, but that's fine. I'll take a Bart's root beer or a Dr. Pepper. Or if I'm in an off mood, I might take a Coke, whatever. Never take a diet. That's, that's fucking psycho. And, and you know, you live with it. It's like, it's fine. Everything's going to be okay. Or you go to McDonald's where they have Coke, of course. And it's like, for some reason, like, I, it maybe it's a marketing gimmick, but I really do believe it. It's like, yeah, fucking Coke at McDonald's does taste really good. Um, so it's like, you know, that's it's fine. Everything's going to be okay. We're probably going to make it through this. They'll make a vaccine. We're good. But... The thing the, the Coke freestyle machine is inexcusable. And I, I worked in a stupid sports bar for seven miserable months of my life where I wanted to like off myself. And we had a Coke freestyle machine when we were, when I was there and that thing was a bitch. Let me tell you as some, as someone on the back end who has to maintain one of those things, those things fucking suck. They run out of different like packets of flavor all the time. And you just constantly, they constantly break. They're constantly down. Certain flavors are constantly going out. It's like vanilla goes out and then suddenly 17 of your 200 flavors are just gone. And then kids are like, I'll take orange vanilla Fanta with, with, with purple, mellow yellow. And it's like fucking kid. And you got to pump the kid out and get arrested for hitting a kid. It's just, it's this whole thing. It's not really worth it. I really hate those machines, but yes, on, on, on the side of the consumer, on the side of someone who's like, yeah, uh, AMC movie theaters, I'll pay eight ninety five for a goddamn soda. And they're like, yeah, it's that Coke freestyle machine. It's like, I want a refund because that's not soda. That's just fucking, that's just fucking mystery sludge. That's like a punch bowl of just shit. Uh, and, and you're totally right. It's, it's, it's so true. Cause I, I do the same thing. Usually what I do is, you know, like the guy in front of me is pouring something disgusting, like lime diet Coke. And I'm just like, okay, well I'm, I'm not saying I support fucking like mass murder, but like if someone here is going to get the death penalty. Um, and then, you know, the, the fucking idiot finally mm-hmm. finishes with his, their, their lime, their lime diet Coke, like a goddamn psychopath. And it's your turn up at the machine. And you're like, okay, well, I just want like a fucking vanilla Coke or a cherry Coke or like a fucking regular root beer. Right. So you're just trying to, you know, do your thing, survive in this dark world. And you're like, okay, how am I going to clear the line? Usually what I do is I switch it to water and then I run, you hold it down, you run the fountain for like two or three seconds and let the water run through. And then, then you select the soda you want. Then you get your root beer, your vanilla Coke, or what have you, and then you fill on up. And it's 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 fine. It's good. You know. It's it, but I totally see what you're saying because like there's always still that like I can still taste the diet coke. I can still taste the lime. I can still taste the fucking orange Fanta, whatever it is. And it's a uh, dude. It's 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 such a real problem. You're so right. It's a uh, the absolute worst. And uh, I fucking hate them. And yeah, I, I will. I will always take fewer options with better quality spouts that aren't shared and mixing the lines together over a Coke freestyle machine. I don't give a shit if you have 800 flavors and if you fucking do the right combination, you get a billion gamer score and Phil Spencer promotes you to executive uh, overseer of soda and Xbox relations. Like I don't give a shit what happens. You, you keep those Coke freestyle machines out of my goddamn out of my way, you know, just out of my way. So thank you for writing in with that. And if you're someone who doesn't know what the Coke freestyle machine is, that was probably a very confusing five minutes for you. Sam Torres comes in and says, first, sorry for getting lengthy previously. No excuse for it. Second, my daughter just finished like a dragon. She loves the Yakuza games. And she said it was one of the best. I witnessed it pretty excellent. Sam, first of all, don't you dare apologize for anything. You have nothing to be sorry for. You did nothing wrong. Uh, second of all, I'm glad your daughter liked and played the Yakuza games and I hope it encourages you to start playing them and then you tell your friends at work and they start playing them and then maybe the next time you're on the highway and you come across a toll road, you'll stop in the cash lane just so you can say, yeah, I have the, I have the sticker that lets me go through the express lane, but I wanted to stop through the cash lane just so I could tell you 
you should play Yakuza Like a Dragon. And then you go on through, and then the next time you're in line at Starbucks getting your coffee in the morning, you say, I would like to uh, pay for the guy behind me in line's coffee. Oh, and give him this note. And then the guy behind you pulls up to the drive through window to get his coffee. He's like, oh, the guy in front of you paid for your coffee. It's on the house today. Here you go. And he's like, oh, wow, that was, that was so nice. And Oh, man. And, and he also left you this note. And then he gets the note, and it just you unfold it and just says, play Yakuza Like a Dragon now on Xbox. Uh, and then, you know, you just spread the word. And I and I really like that she did that, and I really like that your daughter did that, and I really hope your whole family plays Yakuza like a dragon, and I hope it improves your overall um, quality of living, and may, maybe even adds on an extra seven to nine years of your life expectancy. Now, final comment of the week: Sarugi, our loving Sarugi, says, "Listening to the podcast and." Right as you're talking about the rest of the Yakuza series possibly not coming to Xbox, I scroll past a Reddit post stating that Yakuza Remaster Collection, which comes with 3, 4, and 5, is coming to Game Pass at the end of January, and Yakuza 6 is coming in March. Sometimes the stars align. Now there's no need for you to break out the PS4. Thank you, Sarugi. And yes, we'll get into that with the news, but amen. That's exactly That was exactly my reaction when I saw that. It was like... Yes, I don't have to play the PS4. And more importantly, you know, I, I got no beef with the PS4. I like my PS4, but I prefer to use my Xbox. And also, if I'm going to have to spend, you know, 15 to 20 hours with each of these Yakuza games, I'd at least like to get some gamer score for it. So that's all good news there. Uh, but yeah, that's it for this week's comments and shout outs. So remember, guys, for next week, don't be shy. Reply. Next, we're going to go into what I've been playing. But before I can tell you about that, I've got to tell you all about what I've been eating. While I have nothing in particular to talk about in terms of what I've been consuming, I, I do want to mention something about a specific restaurant. This will be kind of a quick one, but the other day I was in traffic and I was at this light and, you know, on the other side of the light at the corner, I saw a restaurant called Shoney's. And now this isn't the first time I've ever heard of Shoney's. Like, I know it's a thing. I know it's like a, you know, fast, casual kind of like barbecue slash American diner type restaurant. And, you know, I know it's like kind of cheap, not the best, not the best, you know, quality food, not the best, you know, variety. Well, I don't know. You know, it's like one of those places. It's like a slopes barbecue, you know, it's like a Sunny's barbecue type place. I don't know if that makes it any easier for anyone to understand, but you know, at least if you're here in the States, you probably heard of a, uh, of a Shoney's before, but yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was just looking at it. And I was like, you know, this is one of those places. It's always been like, I've never been to one. I've seen them kind of here and there all my life. And I just, I don't know anything about them. I've never talked to anyone about, have you ever been here before? What's it like? So, you know, out of curiosity, I, I asked a friend, I said, have you been to a Shoney's? And he said, yes, but I don't remember really much about the food. Uh, I just remember I went there a couple times before. And so I'm just kind of in this, in this position where now I'm just morbidly curious about Shoney's. And in fact, let me let me look this up. So I got them here on on Wikipedia. It says Shoney's is a privately held restaurant train, a chain headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. It operates in 17 states, primarily in the south and in, in the Midwest and lower mid-Atlantic state. Okay, so wow. Okay, so they're definitely only in the US. I was going to see if they were international. They're not, and they're really not they're not even in all 50 states here. So you could be listening to this and be an American listener and still not even know what I'm talking about. So, yeah, it's a uh, I don't know. Oh, apparently, according to the Wikipedia page, there's a there's a bankruptcy, there's a racial discrimination action lawsuit from 1989. Not a not a great way to start your uh, impression on me, Shonies. Anyway, I uh, I don't know. I I brought this up just to say, you know, I looked up the one the one I was looking at there at the cross at the intersection, which is only a couple miles from my my apartment. I was like. 
you know, maybe I'll have to look that place up, see if it's like one of those places worth checking out. And when I got home, I looked up the one that I was sitting, I was right next to at the light. And I was like, oh, look at this. It closed permanently a couple months ago. It's no longer open. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm not going there. But then it looks like a new location opened just down the road a few a few weeks ago. So maybe maybe it just moved locations. But now I'm like, well, okay. So now I have a I can go to Shoney's. Not only that, but I can go to a brand new location and really get you know the full experience. So I, I don't know if you've ever been to a Shoney's. Let me know what it's like, what it is. I'm, I'm curious to know. I'm, I think this is something that uh, maybe requires some investigation. Maybe they'll have to be an Xbox on investigative dinner there. And then I'll report back on the show. Not sure yet. Um, but yeah, it's maybe, maybe it's something about Shoney's. It does have a little bit of a, like a Denny's kind of twist to it where not that it's like the same food, but that maybe attracts the same kind of market, you know, where it's like usually just in like like more apathetic areas. And I, I feel like Shoney's maybe is kind of the place where it's like, wait till more people have had the COVID vaccine before you go to it. Um, if I can, if that, if that makes sense, but I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll have to wait till a few more people, you know, until we get these numbers down a little bit, but eventually I'd like to try out the Shoney's. Now let's jump into what I've been playing guys. Obviously I already told you about black ops, cold war and black ops two. I've been playing those a lot, um, really just going back and playing some 360 stuff. Uh, in addition to that, obviously Fortnite coming to Master Chief, which we'll get into in the news. So yeah, I, I, I played Fortnite. I know, pray for me. I spent money on downloading the Master Chief character, skin, whatever on Fortnite. And I gotta be honest, man, they did an amazing job with the art. Master Chief looks so good in, in Fortnite. And that Halo Infinite art style that they do, it's just, he looks so good. I, I cannot believe how amazing the new art style for Chief is. And uh, it was really a lot of fun playing as him in, in Fortnite just to get a, some kind of visual art taste of like what Infinite will be like just based on this character model and nothing else. But also, I gotta say, as someone who hasn't played Fortnite in like two years, Fortnite's really not that bad from a gameplay perspective. Like I played with my brother and my nephew, so it's it's kind of fun. You know, they're more they're they're better at Fortnite. They know what they're doing a little more, so they carried me a bit. Um, I don't really I know Fortnite's fun to mess with, like you know, pick on it, and and I love to do that on the show. But I don't really have anything against Fortnite for to, from a gameplay perspective in particular. It's not like a bad game or anything. I, I get the appeal to an extent. I don't I don't get why it's that big, but you know I I get it enough. Um, the thing, the one thing I can't get over with Fortnite though is is the whole crafting mechanic. Like, if it was just a generic battle royale without the crafting, I'd I'd be so much more into it. But god damn, it's so annoying when you're like one of the last men standing and you're like, oh my god, I might win, I might win, and then you go up against some fucking nerdy ass sweaty twelve year old who's just like fucking building Minecraft dungeons on top of you while sniping you like all within ten seconds. And it's just like. This isn't even fun. This isn't fun. And that's not a skill. You're just fucking pathetic. Like building this goddamn tree houses out of nothing uh, so that you can, you know, overcome me in battle. And I just, I hate that. It's it's the one thing about Fortnite that I just can't stand. But uh, other than that, you know, that's fine. Uh, it's nice to see that Halo content. Nice to see people on PlayStation getting some Halo love and, and just, you know, seeing some Halo in mainstream talk. And also, I think really cool thing about this. I know there's a lot of Halo purists who are getting salty about this. First of all, fuck you. Who cares? Um, second of all, I just think this is cool that, you know, Halo, even though it's still a pretty big franchise, it's obviously not what it once was. And I like the idea that, you know, this is going to be some kid's introduction to Halo. And maybe, maybe next year, next fall, when Halo Infinite comes out, some fucking nine-year-old who loves Fortnite right now is going to give Halo Infinite a try because 
He played as Master Chief in Fortnite, or he saw Master Chief in Fortnite. And, you know, this kind of stuff can help get new generations into the Halo universe. And I think that's really fun because Halo's awesome. And, you know, Halo's my favorite video game franchise, and I just love the idea of newer generations being able to experience this thing that I know a lot of us love. Because, let's be, let's be honest, if you're here listening to an Xbox podcast, you probably like Halo. So, I don't know. That That's fine. I've been doing that. Otherwise, I um, I played some more Forza Horizon 4 this week just because that, that new update. Really love that Super 7 update where, like, you just play a bunch of these little track challenges made by community members. They're super wacky and fun. Uh, so, I've been playing some of that. Forza Horizon 4, beautiful game. And then, lastly, my, my copy of Cyberpunk finally came in the mail. And... You know, my my friend Hunter, who listens to the show, was like, "Oh, hey man, you gonna jump into you gonna jump into Cyberpunk?" Because he was telling me that he's gonna wait, you know, a little bit till it's patched up a little more, so he can play it on his One X. And I was like, "Yeah, um, I'm actually gonna put it off, you know, till like January, mostly just because right now with work, I just got a lot of work that's uh, from my my day job that's following me home right now. So December's kind of a bad month for me. I'm just kind of busy with a lot of stupid work homework. So uh, I'm just kind of getting through this month doing that. And then in January, when my plate clears up a little more with my job, then I'll jump into cyberpunk. Cause I know it's, it's kind of a high commitment game. I don't really want to do this big open world story driven RPG, you know, in a time where I'm kind of stressed and I got a lot going on with my job. So that's kind of why, you know, part, part of why I've only been playing stuff like call of duty and Fortnite and shit is cause you know, it's such low commitment multiplayer stuff, jump in, jump out. Um, but yeah, I just, I really don't want to commit to cyberpunk just yet. So I'm waiting for it, but Last night when I was, you know, installing the game to my Xbox, I got a little curious, you know, for Fortnite Cyberpunk, as I've said on the show, you know, it's a game that I, I want to play. It looks good. But from the moment the game was released, my immediate reaction the first time I saw it was like, this game looks really good. I love the setting. I love the art style. I love everything they're doing here. I will definitely buy this game when it comes out, but I don't want to consume any more media coverage or videos or gameplay demos because... You know, I've, I've had that trick so many times with me where I'm like, oh, man, maybe I want to play this Elder Scrolls game. Maybe I want to play this Fallout game. And then I play it, and then I get disappointed because this open-world third-person or whatever, this this open-world uh, Western RPG thing just isn't my, my type of game. And I didn't want that to be the case with Cyberpunk. So I tried to temper my expectations, not get too excited about it and all that. But I got to be honest, last night... I caved in a little bit and I just booted up the first like 30 minutes of the game. I made my character and played the intro real quick just to get a little taste for the feeling of it, the controls, the mechanics, the engine. And I got to be honest, even though I'm not going to really get back to it for a while, I really liked what I saw. I thought I thought the game just instantly right off the bat was super captivating, immersive and felt really good. It felt really good. It's not like Fallout where it's like, oh, man, it kind of looks like it's going to be like shooty. And like, you know, you fight people with guns and it's in first person, but then the first person combat is absolute ass. It's not like that at all. It's actually like, it feels pretty good. Like, so I'm looking forward to getting back to it. And I'm really interested to see more of it. Um, and then, you know, as to all the talk about the game looking and running like shit, obviously I'm on a series X, so I'm not having as rough a time, but in, in the short little bit I played, I didn't notice literally anything. It, it seemed fine. I think in general, just the internet's kind of overreacting about this, but I do understand, obviously, it's probably a rougher experience on older hardware. Uh, Lethal Migraine, it's speaking of Cyberpunk, says, eight hours of Cyberpunk so far. The game is fantastic. Fun play, fun play is fun. Really easy to go around the city and just screw around and not accomplish anything. The PC version is much less buggy than the Xbox version. I have both. 
So Lethal Migraine, mostly I wanted to read that just because it's the first positive thing you've said in a very long time. So I want to just have some positivity on the show coming from you. So, you know, since we we all love you, Lethal Migraine, you're an OG on the show. You're a big part of it. And, you know, there's always room for you in my heart, even when you say hurtful things about Halo and McDonald's. But uh, I'm glad you are enjoying Cyberpunk. I'm glad you're having a good time with it. And uh, it seems like when you can sift through a lot of the bullshit of just people like, oh, look how dumb the game is, look how bad it's doing, look how bad it's performing, and all the, you know, the talk about that, when you when you can kind of, like, sift through all that bullshit and get to the core of what people really had to say about the game, people who are actually playing it and not bitching about it and just enjoying the game seem to think it's a pretty good game. So, you know, all in all, you know, once the patches are out and, the, and, and CD Projekt works through this really rough launch that the game's having, I think people will be pretty pleased with the game itself. It's just one of those things where it's like, you know, people love a good story, a big little piece of juicy gossip. So that's kind of what we're dealing with right now is all the drama and the shit surrounding the game because that's what people like to talk about. But the reality of the matter is I think I think people are just enjoying the game when they're actually sitting down and just playing it. So, yeah, thanks for writing in with that. Now, that's going to do it for all of our opening comments and shit like that. We're a solid hour into the show. So with that said, we'll jump into the news. All right. So obviously, the big story this week is going to be the Game Awards, which happened last week. So I hate when I do these. This is like the second time this has happened where I've let big news sit for like a week before I podcast about it. If I recorded this like last Friday, I would have had so much more enthusiasm uh, for this, but yeah, I don't know what to say, man. Like, we'll, we'll jump through the game awards itself, the awards, all that crap. I don't give a shit about any of that, neither, and, and I, I doubt any of you really do. So we're just kind of, kind of jump around from in order of appearance uh, through all the big announcements and the relevant Xbox announcements, and and we're gonna leave out the actual game awarding stuff because honestly, who gives a shit? What, what gamer got top influencer of the year and what game got games for impact. It's I kind of feel about the Game Awards the way I feel about the Oscars, where I'm like, I, I don't really give a shit about like this like cucky, like asshole sniffing contest where like people in the industry just talk about like, oh man, isn't Last of Us 2 so great just because it's so fucking, you know, artsy and heavy and theme. And I'm like, I, I, I don't give a shit. I think the most fun I had this year was like, the six hours of Resident Evil 3 remake I played. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's start off with this. My brother comments and says, The Game Awards had some amazing stuff this year. Back for Blood, I squealed. Dark Tide, the exact same game but Warhammer. Evil Dead, someone loves me. Hood, literally made for me. Ghosts and Goblins, this was just cool. Perfect Dark, I was legally obligated to put this, but it's the least exciting thing to me by far. Yeah, I kind of agree with some of that. I mean, Back for Blood was the big one for me as well, and I'm excited to talk about that one, so let's jump in. First big thing and the, the, the most pertinent thing to this show is that the initiative, we finally got a, a first look at what the initiative has been up to. And obviously the rumor for like a year plus now has been that the initiative is working on a perfect dark reboot and like it or not, that's exactly what they are working on. So they had, you know, this little dev diary thing, if you even want to call it that, where some of the team at Insomniac was talking about, you know, how exciting it is to be able to work on this. And, and what they referred to the game was as was a, uh, ecological sci-fi game and that that had me intrigued to see like they're kind of trying to tell a story about like the environment and the world and also like the corporations and the kind of you know this like not post-apocalyptic but like near future kind of alternate reality where like the corporations have kind of 
capitalism run amok and just the the earth's not doing too well and blah 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 so i'm interested to see what this story is that they had to tell i hope it's not some generic thing about like capitalism puts greed and money over everything else at the at the loss of like people and the environment but we'll, we'll see what story they're trying to tell but the the little cinematic the little video they showed was just a tonal trailer and that didn't that, that didn't upset me. I didn't expect to have a gameplay demo at this point, to be honest, because I still think this game's pretty far off, another two or three years for sure. But yeah, they showed the little cinematic trailer. Um, honestly, as someone who doesn't have a terrible amount of experience with the Perfect Dark franchise, I gotta say this looked literally nothing like Perfect Dark to me. And just kind of pans around the city, shows like this desolate kind of desert, beat up, like rundown city, and then these big skyscrapers from all these corporations. And then at the very top of the building, you see Joanne Dark. And she's there with her short hair and her tactical silence pistol. Kind of her iconic things, in my opinion. It's just her hairstyle and her pistol. So I'm excited for this game just because, again, I think, you know, the fact that they're going back to Perfect Dark doesn't really make me nervous. At first it did. It was like, you know, you have all this amazing talent. You're touting this quadruple-A studio. You know, don't don't remake something. Do something original. Try to make your Last of Us, your Uncharted, your God of War 2018. Don't just remake or reboot some old thing, you know? You know, Rare's Perfect Dark franchise. It's just such a weird one, especially because the way they kind of talk about it is like, oh, you know, everyone loves that old classic franchise, Perfect Dark. I feel like Perfect Dark's one of those weird franchises where it's like every gamer knows what Perfect Dark is. But that doesn't mean every gamer, like, fondly remembers Perfect Dark, you know? It's not like... I feel like the rare game from that era that people remember more fondly is is GoldenEye, not Perfect Dark. <laughs> so that that right there is is the weirder part to me. And I'll, I'll be just really straight honest. I don't have a lot of experience with the original Perfect Dark on N64. I haven't even really played it through the rare replay. However, I did play Perfect Dark Zero, the Xbox 360 launch game. In fact, I may I might be one of the only people that liked that. And now to be fair, I played it when it first came out. So I haven't played it for many years and I'm sure it's not very good, but I remember thinking it was pretty solid at the time. So it's just weird. I don't have a lot of experience with Perfect Dark, but from what I can recall, this looks nothing like it. And that's the only thing, you know, it's such a it's such a a slight tease of, of a trailer. It, it just it says so much without saying very much at all that there's not too much to glean off of here. But I guess what I'm trying to say is it, it felt not very perfect dark to me from what I can tell. And I see that as a good thing because I, I think what they're doing here is they're taking perfect dark and rebooting it or doing it in the most in the most light sense of they're not really playing close and in in serious with the source material i think they're just really taking the idea of the genre of game that perfect dark is and the main character and then from there they're basically they're using that to basically create a brand new franchise if that makes sense a brand new ip so it's not going to be like a reboot of the perfect dark you know it's going to be like a reboot of perfect dark that's basically its own new thing so that's kind of what i'm anticipating and what really got me excited was in in the little trailer when they talked about kind of you know with it being a little more stealthy and and silent of a of like a kind of combat experience trying to work in some more kind of like interesting and fluid traversal and com and movement. And that really excited me because, you know, fun modes of traversal and movement are really Insomniac's bread and butter. You know, when I think of Insomniac, I think of stuff like Spider-Man and Sunset Overdrive. And since the initiative is a team that has so much Insomniac talent, that excites me. So I hope that's 
somehow in some way, you know, they're kind of fun movement based mechanics they're trying to bake that into perfect dark to some ex- some extent um but that being said it's just i don't know man there's not there's not a terrible amount i have to say about this i think this is the perfect example of it, it's hard to really compare this to god of war because god of war was a very very successful and loved franchise where you know it had a very like over the top and ridiculous kind of gameplay style that they tried to pared down and make a little more like gritty and real and, and story driven and perfect dark's not really a good analog to that because i think perfect dark was never that as well like this god of war but perfect dark is they're kind of doing a similar thing here to god of war where it's like they're really trying to take this franchise and make it very serious very cinematic very I don't know, very modern and i think you know the end product is going to be nothing like you know, if you're if you're one of the few actual Perfect Dark fans out there, I don't think the end product is going to be a classic Perfect Dark game. So I, I I'm having a hard time really having much to say about this because it, it's something that is huge news that we we should have lots to say about it. But at the same time, I I don't because there's just so little shown here, and I think you know until we see a gameplay demo, it's going to be hard to really get a sense of like. What is the initiative doing? Are they quadruple A? Does this game look groundbreaking? Is this a justifiable thing for this absurdly expensive team located in Santa Monica intended to poach talent from the biggest studios in the industry? Like, is this really a justifiable project for them to be working on? And I think, you know, it's going to take at least a gameplay demo for us to really be able to answer that question to any extent. As for now, I think the bigger news here, more than anything, wasn't even what kind of game Perfect Dark is going to be. It was just to confirm that like, hey, remember, Microsoft has this amazing first party team uh, uh, composed of like some of the best talent in the industry. And this is the thing they're working on. It's finally just kind of getting that out into the open. I think that was the bigger thing here. It's less so about what the game is and more so about just putting out into the wild that this, that they have the game. This is the franchise. This is the team. This is happening. The ball is in motion. So I think that was really the bigger news from this reveal. But yeah, I mean, let let me know what you think about this. I wish I could have a um, a fulfilling twenty minute conversation about Perfect Dark the way I do about Pepsi vs Coke. But it's just it's just hard for me to see that trailer and think think much other than like, okay, so they're just confirming the rumors. They're getting that out into the open. They're kind of starting to put this this studio into the public's you know, consciousness more and more. But other than that, <laughs> Phil Spencer touted this studio to be such a big thing that I, I need to see a gameplay demo. I need to see what it is specifically that they're cooking up before I can really pass judgment on anything. So that's kind of where I am with this. Now, the next big thing was Back for Blood. Now, this is what got me super excited. So developed by Turtle Rock, the team that made the original Left 4 Dead, Back for Blood is basically left for dead three now we knew this was uh, this was coming eventually because this was teased like or announced formally like a year or two ago uh, but we'd never seen the game so they showed the cinematic trailer and then they showed a gameplay demo and then announced that there would be a an alpha available this week and that the game would be coming out next june so tons of news they showed the whole thing this is this is how you do a game a game reveal it's cinematic trailer gameplay release date platforms alpha dates everything they just had all the information they weren't dicking us along it's not a 12 year hype cycle this is just here's the fucking game here's all the info you need and uh, the game looks amazing. I'm so excited. You know, Valve bought Left 4 Dead from Turtle Rock uh, towards the end of the, the development of Left 4 Dead 1. And then Valve quickly made Left 4 Dead 2. And, you know, I think Left 4 Dead 2 has kind of gone on to be the one that's more remembered than 1. But I'm actually 
more of a left for dead one fan anyway. So I always kind of liked what Turtle Rock did more than Valve. And then I think it, it, Left 4 Dead kind of fell victim to this thing of, I think Valve bought them in a time where they thought they were going to be more involved in gaming than they ended up being. And then quickly after the acquisition of the Left 4 Dead franchise and the creation of Left 4 Dead 2, I think that's around the time Valve started to realize what a big thing Steam was going to be and, and how much the focus needed to shift from constant active game development and more towards their their platform of Steam and all that. So Left 4 Dead just kind of fell victim to that and has now been in that limbo phase of all the other Valve games where it's just never going to get a sequel. And that really sucks because Left 4 Dead is just such a phenomenal game. Left 4 Dead, it's right up there with like Call of Duty World at War, Halo 3, Guitar Hero 4 for me, where it's like these are those games from like that 2008 era where it just like defined my youth for some reason. Like those are the games I'll just constantly always be nostalgic for and just always remember the most fondly from or uh, really fondly from the Xbox 360 days. So it's like I made made mention that it's just so interesting that like within a 12 month span, it's like Call of Duty's kind of reverted back to like its old roots of like Black Ops 1 with the release of Black Ops Cold War. Turtle Rock is going back to Left 4 Dead with the release of Back 4 Blood. And then... And then Halo's kind of going back to its roots with Halo Infinite next fall. So, like, within 12 months, we're getting, like, Call of Duty, Left 4 Dead, and Halo kind of all back to its 360 roots and of, of like, you know, the versions of these franchises that I remember growing up on. So it's just so funny to think that, like, you know, by the end of next year, I could just be sitting around on my Xbox Series X just basically playing the same three games <laughs> that I was playing, like, 10, 15 years ago. So... I don't know. That's it's it's really exciting, but also kind of funny. And uh, yeah, I think Back for Blood just looks phenomenal. One thing I'll point out: I I thought it was weird for some reason that they there this game has aim down sights and it also has sprint, which I know no one gives a shit about, and I keep making mention of this, but I thought that was so interesting because I remember Left 4 Dead being so distinct because you couldn't scope in, you couldn't aim down sights. You couldn't run or anything. I mean, you could scope on the sniper rifle, but that was it. I don't know why, but to me, that's like such an unnotable thing where I'm like, notice how the game looks a lot more like modern shooters where you can like click in left stick to sprint and and hold down the left trigger to scope. I'm like, that's that's some crazy shit. But other than that, I mean, Back from Blood, it, it's Left 4 Dead through and through. It has four very distinct characters that look like they all have really unique personalities. And then it's got all the special infected, um, just like Left 4 Dead. It looks like it's more focused on the guns than the melee weapons, like old school Left 4 Dead, which excites me. One thing I never liked too much about Left 4 Dead 2 was the heavy emphasis on melee weapons because I vastly prefer the, the, the guns. And so, I, I mean, it just everything's there. It looks like it's all there. And there's also a single player campaign, apparently, which I'm curious to see what that's all about. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just want that four-player co-op. I want that classic Left 4 Dead experience just in the modern era. And Back for Blood has got me, man. I'm so excited for this game. Uh, coming out June 2021. That's going to be that's gonna be my summer. The next game they showed of any consequence was Hood, Outlaws, and Legends. Um, I don't have much to say about this one. I know a lot of people were really into it. It's this kind of like medieval multiplayer game based around like the Robin Hood kind of story and I don't know like it just this did nothing for me I, I looked at this and I was just like oh look another like medieval little fantasy looking type game oh but it's coming out pretty soon it's coming out on May 10th uh, it'll be out on one series x and pc and uh, people seem to be pretty high on this game so have to announce I have to mention it. it seems pretty multiplayer focused but 
that's not really my thing, but they showed Hood. Um, it, it seems like a thing people care about. Uh, after that, they showed Scavengers. And what's notable about this is um, this is that game that Josh Holmes left 343. He left Halo to go and develop. So this game actually has a lot of old like 343, Halo 4 talent behind it. I think the studio is called Neverwinter, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they're called Midwinter Entertainment. Yeah, I mean, this game looks kind of fine. It's like a multiplayer kind of like survival game, but it's not Battle Royale, technically. I, I'm definitely going to give this game a try uh, just because I, I got a lot of respect for the talent behind it, and I'm curious to see what they've made here. My concern is that this is going to be a game that totally fucking flops, um, but I, I will say it looks better than I was expecting it to look based on, you know, kind of the stuff that we saw or the teases we've seen over the years. So I don't know, um, something to keep an eye on, but scavengers, uh, the open, it has open beta and closed beta, which you can sign up for on the website, but whatever. I don't really care about the game till it's out. The next thing was they teased the fort or they showed off the Forza crossover cyberpunk thing where the cyberpunk vehicles in forza horizon 4 so that's a cool little gimme thing and it's a it's available already now you can already go and get it in forza horizon 4 i still don't know really how to unlock that i didn't do it when i played the other day uh after that they showed the uh callisto callisto protocol uh they announced this game which is from a new studio headed up by uh glenn schofield who is the creator of the original dead space game so this is a Basically, this is back for blood for Dead Space, where it's like the old the old team that made the original Dead Space is going back to Dead Space. The franchise is gone. It's under ownership of EA now. They don't have access to it. So they're basically just making a new Dead Space with a new IP. Um, and it's set right now for launch in 2022 on, on Series X and PC. This game, I thought, had a really cool cinematic trailer. Didn't really do much for me because I've never played Dead Space, but I've always wanted to give Dead Space a try, so... It was intriguing in that regard. Uh, I, I'm really excited about it just for the, not for me to play it, but for the, just for the fact that I know there are a lot of Dead Space fans out there who are super excited to see this news. And because it's really awesome to see, you know, these guys kind of get to go back to this, to this, uh, this IP, well, not this IP, but this kind of game after, you know, after the closure of Visceral, Visceral and everything uh, from EA. So, so yeah, I think that's uh, I th I thought that was pretty cool. Next, they showed Warhammer 40k Dark Tide, uh, the gameplay reveal. This was first shown at that Xbox third-party Game Pass showcase for May, uh, for the Series X that disappointed everyone. But uh, this game I thought looked really cool back then, and I think it looks really cool now. Or maybe this was shown at the July event. I don't remember, but I think it was that first one in May. Uh, but yeah, it's developed by Fat Shark. Um, this game basically looks like Warhammer's version of Back for Blood or Left for Dead, and I think it looks phenomenal. It looks really, really good, uh, which is kind of unfortunate because I think launching that around the same time as this game, or as Back for Blood, is going to kind of create a competition for these games that are otherwise kind of reviving a genre that I think has been pretty underserved. So it kind of sucks to see that they're going to have to compete a little bit like that, but I will definitely make time for to give both of them a try because I think this game looks really good and I, I don't give a shit about most of the Warhammer games, even even Vermintide, which is basically this, this kind of game as well, but in like a more medieval fantasy setting. Um, this one's a lot more my speed because uh, it's a little more like cool and sci-fi like a version of, uh, of that Left 4 Dead gameplay. So definitely excited for that as well. Uh, and then they should open roads, which I, I think is pretty high on the list of highly anticipated games announced at the show. Uh, open roads is a new game from Fulbright, which is the team that made Gone Home and Tacoma. 
and I really love their games. These are the guys who are kind of credited with the creation of the like walking sim genre. Those like two hour games where they're very story focused, exploration uh, based, and it's actually being published by Annapurna, which is the movie studio that now does like game publishing as well. Um, I think most notably they published uh, like what became of what um, what remains of Edith Finch, which is another good game of a similar genre that I've recently played actually, um, but it's been out for a while. Um, but yeah, Open Roads looks pretty great. Um, they showed kind of a narrative driven t- trailer about this girl who's on like a road trip with her mom to kind of like carry out her grandmother's last wish or to like scatter her grandma's ashes or, or something like that or or to learn oh it's, it's like to learn something about like uh their grandmother's past about like all this stuff they didn't know about her but i just i don't know it had the art style it had the the writing chops from the trailer that i'm just like i don't really give a shit what this game's about i just know i'm gonna want to play it uh because fulbright makes awesome games and they haven't steered us wrong since or yet so i'm definitely really curious to learn more about this game and play it when it comes out so that was open roads uh after that they showed uh dragon age 4 i say dragon age 4 with with quotes uh so dragon age 4 we got a sneak peek of it basically they just uh confirmed that some new old characters are coming back or something that people like but they didn't really show anything they didn't like show the game and give it a release window or do anything it's they just kind of like did that ea thing where like here's some art assets and some CGI shit and like not actually the game itself and you know for something like Perfect Dark that's okay because we know that game's early in development from a brand new studio but for something like Dragon Age 4 which has been like on and off in development for like six years it's like what the fuck like what what is this and uh this kind of I think really plays into what I was saying the other week which is like what is going on at Bioware? Like everything they work on is super concerning. We we got Dragon Age, which has been like development hell forever. We got Anthem, uh, Mass Effect, Andromeda, which was a flop. Uh, now they're going back to Mass Effect, but you know they they're touting that they have like this veteran talent, and then like all these veterans leave the studio and go on to do new things. So Bioware is such a fucking mess. And to me, this trailer was more evidence of that because at this point, we've known Dragon Age Four has been in development for so long that. I think it makes better sense to just not talk about Dragon Age 4 until you can show it than to just tease it with more non-existent cinematic bullshit. Um, My brother writes in, says, Dragon Age losing its head guy is the best news I've ever heard. I've I've begun to believe Origins being amazing was just a fluke. Dragon Age 2 is actually freaking terrible, and I got bored of Inquisition. I would love to see someone else try their hand at the franchise. Well, it seems like that's what's going to happen. It seems like a lot of new people are going to be working on this. I'm sure this game has been internally canceled or re- redone from the ground up in various phases multiple times. And that's kind of what we're seeing here is that the Dragon Age 4 we're going to get is not the Dragon Age 4 they started working on like five years ago or whatever it was. But I, I just can't believe how long this game has just kind of been lurking in the, in the, in the shadows in development, but just never making progress but dragon age 4 supposedly it's coming and then we'll, we'll hear more from bioware at the end but uh next crimson desert um we got a first game pay, gameplay trailer now this game looks really interesting not in the way of like i'm interested in playing it but interesting in the sense that it's this like open world rpg looking like skyrim uh witcher 3 style type game um from this new korean developer and it looks 
it looks, I don't know, how do I say this? It looks like the kind of game that gamers would lose their shit over. Like, I, this either has the the ability, the potential to be really good and become criminally underrated, or to blow up and become like this generation's Witcher 3 type game. I think this game, I don't know, like, it looks like it just has a lot going for it. The art and the graphics are really, really good. There's a lot of graphical glitching going on in the trailer, but I also liked that they were willing to show everything in-engine, in, in-game running, rather than just, like, cinematic bullshit. And I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to really make of this. It's just, uh, they say it's more of an action-adventure game, but it looks like an open-world RPG-ish game. But, yeah, I mean, this this game's coming out. It's slated for a 2021 release, and I think it looks like like generic gamer boy like fodder and i mean that in the best way possible i think gamers are going to be really into this this game when it comes out i think it's something worth keeping an eye out on although not personally my type of thing i just i'm just excited on behalf of other people i think this will be a pretty well-liked game um next we saw overcooked is getting some dlc it's getting swedish chef from the muppets as a playable character i just thought that was cute so i want to put that in there uh but the next game they they revealed Technically, this is not an Xbox game, but they revealed Season, and it's this uh, new game from a company called Scavenger Studio, and I just thought this game looked really beautiful, had a really striking art style, and looked really just cinematic and really unique and different, and it was announced as a PS5 exclusive, or just PS5, rather, um, but I really hope at some point we see that come to Xbox, so I just want to put that in there, hoping... Fingers crossed that's coming to Xbox. But you know it is coming to Xbox, this next game, which looks stupid as hell. They announced Arc 2, which is, you know, that that announcement from the Game Awards that I think instantly got memed to hell, uh, where Vin Diesel is some fucking caveman fighting and protecting his little caveman daughter from dinosaurs and shit. And uh, I, I don't even know what to say this. They also announced an animated series for Arc. This is this is not even remotely interesting in any way. I, Ark's one of those games that like just does really really well based on its dedicated audience, and I think its dedicated audience is like twelve year old boys that are like too edgy for Minecraft, but not edgy enough for like fucking I, I don't know like what do kids grow up to play like Red Dead Redemption? I don't know. Ark two looks really fucking it, based on just the cinematic trailer looks really lame as shit i don't know how you had money for someone like vin diesel and managed to put out like a cg trailer that looks like it was made in like 2004 but they fucking did it they they got the people that did that like first direct to vhs final fantasy movie from like 2003 and and they did an awful job with it and uh it now now we have this trailer with this uncanny valley vin diesel protecting this little girl who's probably from that Pixar movie, The Croods, and uh, I think the world's a worse place for that having existed. Um, next, we saw a new trailer for Outriders, which is the new game from People Can Fly, that three-player co-op shooter. I don't know. I've never been really, like, stricken by this game, but I, I want to like it, but I don't know. Well, uh, It's one of those things I have to wait to see, like, what people say about it once it comes out, but it's, uh, it's coming out soon. It's coming out February 2nd, so it'll be on Xbox One and Series X and PC, but yeah... We saw a new trailer for that, so that game is the more imminent launch of of what we saw at the Game Awards. And then next, they announced a new Evil Dead game, which had me really excited and then really disappointed. So the trailer got me really excited. They're they're making a new game based on the horror the horror franchise, the Sam Raimi horror franchise, Evil Dead. And I thought this was yet another. I thought this was going to be yet another like Left 4 Dead style game. And I was like, wow, what a perfect franchise to do a Left 4 Dead style game. You could do ash and his friends you get shotguns and stuff and you, you're in like this cabin in the woods you gotta 
fend off against hordes of zombies, you know, like that would be fucking awesome. But nope, they're doing the, I, I think, or at least what my brother tried to clarify is, I think they're doing more of like the dead by daylight bullshit where it's like four people versus the one bad guy. And I, I really hate that asymmetrical multi- multiplayer fad. I really wish it would end because I just, I fucking hate these games. So I was really disappointed to learn that. I don't think we really fully understand what the game is just yet. We just know it's a 4v1 to some extent thing. Um, maybe once we see gameplay or get another update on the game, we'll know more. But for now, I, I'm i kind of disappointed in this, but I, I'm trying to remain mildly optimistic that maybe it'll be something I could like. But none, nonetheless, as someone who just generally doesn't really give two shits about horror, Evil Dead is like one of the rare exceptions. I really like the Evil Dead franchise, so... This just, this just had me excited overall. I'm glad to see the franchise getting some play, regardless of whether or not it's a game I care about. Uh, next, we saw It Takes Two, the first gameplay reveal. This is from Studio Haze Light, uh, which is the developer of that game from 2018, A Way Out. This is that like European dude who used to work in the film industry, and then he said, like, fuck the Oscars, and he said all that weird shit at the Game Awards that one year, and then got kind of, like, internet famous for being weird. He's like the you know, and uh, this is his new game. His games always look pretty interesting. This game actually looks, yeah, kind of fun. It's like this uh, couple that got turned into, like, toys because they were fighting too much, and, like, the only way for them to turn back into human form is to, like, go through this game of, like, two-player co-op puzzles and platforming and work together to overcome these obstacles so they can, you know, become a stronger couple and and go back to being human. So uh, that's kind of cute. I thought it was kind of a cute uh, concept for a game. And it seems like they're really focused on like dialogue, dialogue, and making the game seem pretty cinematic from a natural dialogue and writing standpoint, which is pretty cool. Probably won't ever play it, but it is it is a interesting-looking game nonetheless. And it is like much like A Way Out. It is one of those games where if you buy one copy, you get a second copy free for a friend. So you and a friend could just go have these on one copy and both have access to it. So that's nice. Next, we saw the Elder Scrolls Online Gates to Oblivion announced. It was a it's a, a new update or expansion for Elder Scrolls Online. Uh, the reveal event is scheduled for January 21st, so we'll learn more about that pretty soon. Normally, I wouldn't really give shit about that, but we got to talk about Bethesda stuff on the show more often since Microsoft put down the cash to make them part of the family. Mom says we got to play nice with them, too. Um, And then after that, we got the Master Chief announcement for Fortnite, which obviously we already talked about a little bit on the show. But I got to say, the way they announced this was perfect, that reveal trailer where it's like the Master Chief's in cryo-freeze, like the end of Halo 3. But he's actually just in like the freezer aisle of the grocery store. And that weird Fortnite-looking creature goes up to the the freezer aisle and he opens the door and there's Master Chief and he's just been frozen (laughs) in like the frozen pee aisle or whatever the fuck. I thought that was a really funny way to reveal the character. I thought it was really clever, really fun. And then they also did the red versus blue skit with Ninja to show like that Blood Gulch would be in their creative mode, which is also that, that was also a really fun skit. I don't really know what creative mode is in Fortnite. I assume it's like I assume it's like Forge and Halo or something like that. But you can play Blood Gulch through this mode, so that's really interesting and that's available now. So. I don't know. I, that, that was all exciting news to me just because Halo stuff. I'm, I'm Halo is one of the very rare franchises where like I will spend stupid money on Halo because Halo. There are very few franchises. I feel like, you know, people have those franchises where like they just buy a lot of stupid shit. They buy like, Funko Pops and crap because they love this franchise. The only franchises I'll do that for are, like like Halo, Sonic the Hedgehog and Cars, like Disney's Pixar's Cars. 
Like, if it's one of those three things, I spend stupid money when I shouldn't. But, uh, yeah, so I, I spent 20 bucks. Not the proudest 20 I've ever spent, but I spent 20 bucks to get Master Chief in mine, in uh, Fortnite. And uh, here we are. This is the world we live in where I've done that. Uh, next, they showed another update on Scarlet Nexus, another gameplay demo or a little trailer. This was announced at that May event also for Xbox Series X. It's Bandai Namco game, and it's slated for a summer 2021 release. The biggest takeaway from this I saw is that they're still not talking about this game on PlayStation, which is really odd. I think this is a Japanese console exclusive for the Xbox One or Series X. Like, that's a pretty big get, honestly. Uh, I'm sure it will come to PlayStation 5. It might just be like a timed exclusive, but I can't imagine it doesn't eventually come to PlayStation. But yeah, it seems like it's Xbox exclusive, Xbox and PC. But Scarlet Nexus, I think, actually looks really fucking cool. I'm really excited to play this game. It looks very weird and uh, in all the right ways. And every time they release a new trailer, I'm, I'm more and more on board for it. So I'm looking forward to playing that next summer. And then lastly, they wrapped up the Game Awards with the Mass Effect tra uh, trailer teaser. Teaser, I should say. You know, they, they only just recently announced this was a thing, and I'm sure they're very early in development, but they just showed, like, a tonal setting piece and said, like, Mass Effect will continue, which is just funny. Like, they, they had nothing to show, so they showed something anyway, which is a thing that EA seems to like to do a lot, but nonetheless, they teased the game, they showed it off to some extent that, that at least it's in development. This bothers me a lot less that they did this with Mass Effect than when they did with Dragon Age, because we, we know this Mass Effect game has only been in development for a short period of time. It's not like Dragon Age, where it's like, why can you not show us the game? It's been five years, you know? But nonetheless, it's like, this was more so EA's way of just saying like, hey, we're not shutting down Bioware. Hey, we're not giving up on Mass Effect. Hey, I know we have nothing to show you, but like, here's something to show you. Um, this is like kind of their way of being like, we're reworking Anthem. We're working on Dragon Age. We're working on Mass Effect. We just got to show you stuff so you know we still exist. But technically, they have nothing to show. So I'd rather wish they just didn't show any of these kinds of things just to, you know, be more respectful to their audience. This is like when Bethesda did Starfield and Elder Scrolls 6. And it's just like, why are you announcing and showing cinematic trailers for these games that won't be out for so very long? It's just so, it's so stupid. But nonetheless, they did it anyway. So now we got to deal with another, you know, six years or whatever of talking and speculating about this Mass Effect game that won't be out until fucking Cybertruck has a Generation 2 model out or something. I don't know. But uh, nonetheless, that's that was the big announcement they closed the show with. I know a lot of people are excited about that. I just can't bring myself to really be excited about a game that doesn't actually exist yet that they're teasing. But nonetheless, it is cool to see that Bioware in general is just trying to focus on their roots right now, trying to get Mass Effect and Dragon Age back up and, and at their peak again. So Here's hoping that between the two of them, they can at least put out a good game in the in the near distance, even with that with the loss of all that big talent. So that that was all the big announcements from the game awards. Uh, obviously, there's awards and shit that happened, but like I said, let's not fixate on that. That doesn't really matter. Um, but with that one out of the way, I think we should just move on to the rest of the show. Now, our next show, our next story, uh, comes from the Xbox Wire, and this is about a commitment between Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo to make gaming a safer you know, make safer gaming in general for audiences. So the Xbox Wire post basically reads, 
We play for many reasons to indulge our imaginations, to socialize with our friends and family and test our skills against others, to learn through technology or just relax and pass time. Like other social activities, gaming creates meaningful connections with our diverse players and reminds us why we have so much in common through our shared joy of play. We believe gaming is for all, uh, including our youngest and most vulnerable players. Technology makes compelling compelling entertainment experiences possible, and we want to ensure that those experiences, especially when they involve interaction with others, are positive and respectful. All players deserve to have fantastic social gaming experiences in settings where respect and safety are mutual. At Xbox, we are aligned with both Nintendo on on behalf of the community of Nintendo Switch players and PlayStation on behalf of the protecting our belief that protecting players online requires multi uh, a multidisciplinary approach, one that combines the benefits and advanced technology, a support uh, supportive community, and skills and skilled human oversight. We can accomplish more when we work together on the same goal, and so we will each continue investing in evolving and amplifying our approach to use user safety. As we continue to work, we will prioritize protecting the safety of our players, especially those most vulnerable, and then they list out some principal guidelines, some some things that they're working on together, the three brands to help uh, empower players and parents to understand and control gaming experiences. They say that, well, that's the first one is to empower players and parents to understand gaming control experiences. They say providing controls uh, that let players customize their gaming experience and support parents with tools and information necessary to create appropriate gaming experiences for their children. This means code of conduct, terms of uses, enforcing practices, um, investing in technology to help thwart improper conduct and uh, content before players are subjected to harm. The next big point is partnership. They're committing to partnering with the industry regulators, law enforcement, and communities to advance user safety. Uh, They say the industry's commitment to safety is central. We believe that we have an opportunity to collaborate for the benefit of the video game industry and for players to offer a safer gaming experience. We will work with the industry trade organizations, industry members, regulators, law enforcement, and experts to develop and advance online safety initiatives. We commit are they're committing to research to help benefit the cause and and then of course to working on ways of combating you know uh, harassment and uh, hate speech especially towards younger players and things like that on uh, online online gaming and then lastly partnering with agencies like ESRB and, and Peggy to ensure that games are rated for appropriate audiences. The last big one they mention is responsibility, holding themselves accountable for making platforms as safe as possible for all players. They say, uh, we make it easy for players to report violations, code of conduct, miscode, misconduct, blah, 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 additional removing content. We take appropriate enforcement actions and violations, including restricting players from using our service for misconduct. Uh, we comply with all the local laws and will respond to all lawful requests from law enforcement we promptly notify law enforcement if we observe unlawful conduct or where we believe players are at risk or immediate harm and yada yada so they kind of close out you know just basically saying that they're committed to making the change blah blah, blah working together to help make it a more fair and kind and safe community for everyone but what i here's the thing is it's, it's it's very vague it's very vague it's not like they're saying like here's this specific new system that we've implemented that you know you'll be able to experience or notice these changes to online communities regardless of platform because we're working together. It's nothing like that. It's more just like a, basically a commitment, a blanket commitment from these three brands to come together and work on, on these, on these vague issues that, that plague online communities and gaming communities. Let's be honest. I, I think what's really interesting here isn't 
is is this is another example of like back in the day when like Sega and Nintendo kind of you know fought in court and then eventually had to work together and kind of get the ESRB and all the shit going because this is this is a really rare thing where like the video game market is largely unregulated by the government at least here in the US that's the case where it's like a lot of video game companies are just kind of left to do things their own way and run run their own show and I think this is another example of Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo coming together and saying, listen, how can we address these issues that exist in our community before governments start to step in and try to intervene and, and play a role in this? And I think maybe a lot of this is actually in, in response to, you know, just like kind of the massive success of games like Fortnite, which are obviously largely online and, and community based. And then things like the recent controversies with things like loot boxes and stuff ending up in, in courtrooms where you just see these companies kind of saying like, Hey, this is an opportunity for us to like re rejoin together and try and work together to say like, where can we improve? How can we make sure that gaming, the, the online gaming sphere in general is just pretty well regarded so that, you know, government officials and, and regulators never feel like they have to step in and, and try to impede on this thing we do here. So I don't know. I, I've always found that just so interesting that that's kind of what the gaming industry is like. It's just really a self-regulated kind of deal. And um, yeah, this is this is an example of it. It's like nothing really too profound or groundbreaking happening here, but it's just another example of like rather than these companies having to adhere to specific government regulations, it's like these big ass competitors between Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo. You know, they get together, they sit around the table, and they go, "Okay, how are we going to?" you know, work on collectively improving these things in our ecosystem so that we can keep others off our backs and, you know, and thinking that we're doing the right thing. And it's not all like, you know, I don't, I don't mean that in such a bad way. I mean, it is for the greater good. Um, but I don't know. It's just kind of my immediate response to this. It doesn't seem like there's anything really too concrete that they're, that they're actively working on or announcing here. It's just kind of, Hey guys, just so you know, we want to make this a safe place for everyone, regardless of platform. So there's that. That's that story. And then our penultimate story of the week is just about, it's an update on cyber cyberpunk 2077. So CD project red uh, has come out and apologized for not showing the game sooner on PS4 and Xbox one, because obviously the game runs like shit. And there's like all that, that gossip and talk about, you know, how the game's virtually unplayable on older consoles. Um, so they came out and they say, Hey, you know, we're sorry. Um, we're sorry we didn't talk about this sooner. We're sorry we blocked reviewers from being able to show footage of the console version of the game before it came out, which is a little slimy if you ask me. Uh, but basically they took to Twitter and released this whole statement where they say, you know, basically, basically we want to say sorry, all that shit. But uh, the, the second, these last two paragraphs I want to get into because they, they actually announced some interesting stuff. So they say, we will fix bugs and crashes and improve the overall experience of the game. The first round of updates has been just released, and the next one will come within the next seven days. Expect more, and we will update frequently whenever new improvements are ready. After the holidays, we'll continue working. We'll release two large patches, starting with patch one in January and patch two in February. Together, these should fix the most prominent problems gamers are facing on last-gen consoles, and we will be informing you about the content uh, of each patch ahead of their release. They won't make the game on last-gen look like it's running on a high-end PC or spec PC, or next-gen console, but it will be closer to the experience than it is now. Finally, we would like to thank 
We always like everyone who buys the games to be completely satisfied with their purchase. We would appreciate it if you would give us a chance, but if you are not pleased with the game on your console and you don't want to wait for updates, you can opt for a refund of your copy. For copies purchased digitally, please use the refund system on PSN or Xbox Live, respectively. For box versions, please first try to get a refund at the store where you bought the game. Should this not be possible, please contact uh, the email address provided and we will do our best to help you. Starting from today, you can contact us for a week up to uh, December 21st. And then, yeah, so that's that's the big news here is that, one, they're basically going to take what you assume would be otherwise big content update, updates and just kind of split them up into faster updates. So rather than like a big patch that does a lot of stuff, they're going to probably just do a lot of smaller patches that gradually fix things so they can get it to, you know, a more stable and clean state as fast as possible. Uh, so that's nice to know. Basically, every one to four weeks, we'll be getting a new update for the game to just keep improving things. So at least they're working on it fast. Although, you know, I personally believe it's completely unacceptable to release a video game in a broken, not complete state. Um, but that being said, that being said, it, it looks like they're basically saying, hey, we fucked up. We knew we were going to fuck up and now we're going to do really good damage control because we didn't really have much of a choice. I think Cyberpunk was obviously, I mean, obviously we know it wasn't ready to go. They released it basically because they wanted that holiday sale and they wanted to please investors and the game had been delayed so many times. There was all this pressure to get it out in time, you know, for all the marketing shit and cycle that they'd already built up. So Cyberpunk was obviously prematurely released and they knew going into it that something was fucking wrong here. But I, I can't help but think, like, I don't see why they couldn't have just been like, we're so sorry about this. The game will still release in 2020, but unfortunately, we have to delay the console version of the game. Like, the like over half their sales they, they announced were, like, on PC or something like that. They sold, like, 8 million copies and pre-orders on PC through Steam. Like, that's fucking insane. They should have just been like, hey, we're releasing the game on Steam in 2020. It will come out in November. Unfortunately, Xbox and PlayStation gamers are going to have to wait till you know another until like may may 2021 or something like that i don't see why they couldn't have just delayed the console version of the game and kind of that way had their cake and eat it too we're like hey investors be pleased we got the game out this year it's only on pc but whatever we'll have a second wave of revenue when it comes out on consoles and that way you could have you know been like oh we're so sorry the game didn't come out when we wanted to but then that makes me think maybe they just had too much marketing obligation tied up in this like cyberpunk had a really heavily xbox associated marketing campaign and maybe part of maybe at some point they were like we should just release this on pc and delay it on console but due to a contract or a marketing obligation with xbox maybe they were kind of obligated to get the game out the door you know by the end of the year because of a marketing agreement with xbox who fucking knows that i mean that's totally a possibility is that the reason why cyberpunk came out broken is because they had a marketing agreement with Microsoft. I, I don't know. That's just a, a total wild guess, but it's totally possible. But yeah, I mean, they totally fucked up here, and it's it's really weird. How often do you see this happen where a major game comes out and, and the publisher or developer is like, yeah, you can uh, you can return this to us if you are really that pissed about it. We'll, we'll accept return. So that's kind of a ballsy move right there, but I mean... A part of me wants to be like, oh, that's that's good customer service. But another part of me wants to be like, they fucking knew the game was broken as hell when they released it. So it's not good customer service. It's like it's like that's like shooting someone in the leg, but having a fucking like but having like a fucking like 
uh, like a med kit in your back pocket ready to go as you pull the trigger. It's like you fucking knew what you were doing, but you were also prepared to fix the thing you were doing as you were doing it. So it's like, why don't you just not do it? Anyway, I don't know. This is, um, the cyberpunk conversation just kind of bugs me because I'm like, I kind of want to play the game and I'm sure it's not as bad as people are saying. And I wish people could just enjoy the game, but it, it unfortunately has become this conversation and just performance game doesn't look like shit false promises fuck you cd project red and don't get me wrong like cd project red deserves to take heat and responsibility for what they've done here they knowingly releasing an unfinished product but at the same time it's like just fucking i don't know don't buy the game if you don't like what happened here and don't play the game if you don't like what happened here and buy the game and play the game if you don't care and you just want to play it and fucking move on with your lives because there's bigger things happening here like, you want to fucking sit here and bitch about cyberpunk all day when we live in a world where the Coca-Cola company is being allowed to put machines in every restaurant that put 200 flavors of sodas through one spout, and you want to bitch about cyberpunk? That's fucked up, man. But yeah, that's that. And then our penultimate, our, our final story, rather, for the for the week, this is an interesting one. So you might remember about a month ago, Take-Two Interactive announced that they were actually in the process of acquiring Codemasters, the developer behind the popular franchise uh, Dirt, the, ranching, the racing franchise. The terms of the agreement would have had Take-Two Interactive acquiring Codemaster for like $973 million. But now, apparently that, that deal was never finalized, and now a new player, EA Games, has entered the chat, as they say. EA has announced that they've reached an, ag- uh, an agreement with Codemasters to buy them for $1.2 billion, so even more money. That's an insane amount. Um, at the rate of $7.98 per share, so buying out the stock. Uh, this is well above the price offered by Take-Two Interactive, uh, and this deal is now expected to close in the first quarter uh, of calendar 2021, meaning that Codemasters will now actually become a part of the EA family and not the Take-Two family, meaning no Midnight Club 3 re-release or remaster revival. But the story says EA believes Codemasters are a good fit that the combination will increase both the success of Codemasters and EA's racing franchises. Codemaster will also benefit from EA's publishing and analytics team. The quote from EA says, we believe that there is a deeply compelling opportunity to bring together Codemasters and EA to create an amazing and innovative new racing games for our fans. Our industry is growing, the racing uh, category is growing, and together we will be positioned to lead in the new era of racing entertainment, says Andrew Wilson, the CEO of EA. So actually, what I what I want to say about this, number one, is this, this makes it incredibly interesting that EA is getting involved, because one... EA acquiring a, a arcade racing studio, what do you think that means? Need for Speed. And then earlier this year, the story came out that Need for Speed was actually, they were removing, they were switching devs on Need for Speed again, actually. So that story was in the news earlier this year that EA was taking Ghost Games off of off of the Need for Speed franchise and going back to, not Criterion, who... I don't remember who, but they were switching developers for the series. So now getting Codemasters seems to me that they want to try and buy Codemasters and say, you guys make a Need for Speed game. I mean, what else do you think that is? I don't think EA wants the Dirt franchise or the Project Cars franchise. I think they they want Need for Speed. EA, I think, desperately wants Need for Speed to be a thing again. Need for Speed, you know, they still make them kind of regularly and they sell fine, but... Need for Speed's not the fun, like the phenomenon it once was. Need for Speed used to be like a a big ticket game, and it's just really not anymore. So I think this has everything to do with trying to save Need for Speed, and the fact that they're willing to pay one point 
$1.2 billion to get Codemasters, which no disrespect, Codemasters is a fine developer, but $1.2 billion for acquiring them is like way too much money. So the fact that they're willing to pay that much says that they, they really, I think they really passionately want to get get Need for Speed back to a place of mainstream success again. So this is a, I don't know, that's the only way I read this. I mean, obviously EA might use them to make other racing games, other car-related games, but mostly I, I think this is a ploy to snub Codemasters from Take Two and then get Need for Speed back to a state of uh, ultimate supreme arcade racing game, which of course we know will never happen because Forza. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a fucking crazy nuts story there, especially because I, I mean I I was under the impression that the, it was a done deal and that the merger was imminent, but now we learn that apparently things weren't finalized and EA's just kind of swooping in and taking the talent. So typical EA, you know, pissing everyone off. Now let's just run through our important enough news stories. Now that we're done with the news, these are stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough for their own discussion. So we already went over that gears, uh, five hive busters is now available on game pass. So you can download that now, um, or buy it for $20. If you don't have game pass. Also the latest Fortnite update includes 120 FPS mode, which is on series X and series S. So you can go to the settings and enable that sexy functionality. Xbox Game Pass for PC was supposed to get EA's play service relatively soon in the month of December, but it looks like that's now being delayed till sometime in early 2021. So hopefully we'll learn more about that soon. Right now they're just saying 2021, but I don't think it will be much later than early in the year. And then lastly, Destiny's 2, Destiny 2's donning holiday event has officially returned and is running through the uh, January 5th, 2021. Uh, you'll be able to head over to the tower and partake in holiday-themed events and get holiday-themed items. The event is, of course, free for all players of the game, and you don't have to have the expansion to play. But, uh, yeah, go ahead, go to Baking Cookies and, 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 and defeat specific enemies to collect specific ingredients and get your holiday items. I'm actually excited to go into that, so... That's going to do it for all of our news, guys. As a quick rundown, just because this show is going extremely long, let's jump through the new game releases of the month, of which there are 13. Speed round, we got Gears 5 Hive Busters, which is just a knockoff of the game from Fortnite, guys. And then we got Colossal Down, uh, Colossus Down, which is one of those uh, Flash games you play on the computer when you're in fifth grade. Then we got Freddy Spaghetti, which is a great name for a game. We literally play as a f- string of spaghetti, but that kind of looks like that game that came out last week about the dogs. And then there's a Synthetic Ultimate, which is uh, like a Lego top-down game. Then there's Eternal Elemental War TD, which is a Xbox Play Anywhere game where it looks like Tremors, the video game. Then there's Monster Train, which is a game where monsters take the about how the New York train is a uh, is just a for like underground monsters and then neoverse comes out december 17th there's it looks like some some anime card battling stuff going on there wilmot's warehouse comes out december 17th that's a game pass game that's not why you download game that's not why you subscribe to game pass though 60 uh parsecs it comes out december 18th that's like some knockoff star wars game then there's 16 60 seconds readomized what this is just the same art style just a different bored looking family anyway uh Catch, spelled with two C's, comes out December uh, 18th uh, because there's like cats. It's like fuzzy cats that catch. And then there's uh, Gosha, which is like some point-and-click horror game. And then Radio Commander, which is uh, some point-and-click military game. So lots of pointing and clicking and redundancies there. 
Guys, that's going to do it for our show. Remember the games with gold. You got to download them for the rest of the month. You've got the Raven remastered from the 16th on through January 15th. You got the Bleed 2 or Bleed 2. You missed out on Saints Row, got out of hell, so fuck you. And then stacking is available for the latter half of this month. It's an Xbox 360 game. All right, guys. So thank you for hanging on to the end of the show. I'm just going to kind of do a quick wrap-up because, wow, I can't believe how long things are running. But remember, guys, let's let's play a song. Maybe it's from Eric. Maybe it's from uh, Count Scotula. Who fucking knows? But the only thing I do know is that I would like for each and every one of you to find what it is you're looking for in this world, grab hold of it, empower your dreams.